Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, of course, Andy returned and uh, we spoke to Tom Greatrix from the Football Supporters Association about the process of getting fans back into stadiums and the fair allocation of tickets. And he was very, un- uh, sorry, I was going to say very unlightening, very enlightening on that. I mean, otherwise, <laughs> would be the why would we bother getting him on? Um, we spoke to Rick Wakeman, rock god. He's curated a new uh, rock and roll album and talked about Diego Maradona, didn't he? Yeah. Very interesting. I talked a bit about Diego Maradona and uh, brought you something that, uh, from one of my friends in Buenos Aires. Yeah. I think it was a bit of fun. And uh, Martin Kellner. Martin Kellner, of course. Yeah, yeah, he was. And Mike Ward with a non sporting telly. And he talked a bit of football as well. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good Welcome afternoon, back. Paul. Yes, yes nice of course. To see you. Yeah, thanks very much, and good afternoon, everybody. And of course, it's uh, been a very eventful week, to say the least, uh, with the sad news about Diego Maradona, yeah. and uh, obviously my connections uh, to Argentina. Uh, uh, I know people who knew him, and I'll, I'll read you some stuff that I got. But yeah, it's fascinating yeah. stuff. We're going to. There's a little video that your friend Pablo sent as mm. well of a mural along a wall. Um, well, it's a mural. Where else would it be? <laughs> Put me on the way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a bloke driving past the mural. Yeah. It's, a, it's a shot by panel by panel recreation of the goal against England. I think is it England or Belgium? England. The England goal, isn't yeah, it? I think and it is. with the commentary, and the guy's driving along with the commentary playing in the car, and it fits the panels. It's really clever. Very clever. Very, we'll very stick clever. that. On T-S-H-N-J, T-S-H-A-N-D-J a little bit later But before I do that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the way people reacted to uh, Diego's passing. Yeah. you know, you'd expect Pele and Messi, and Messi rather, and Gary Lineker, who you had on yesterday. And yeah. People who played with him, people who knew him, people who worked with him, people who wrote about him. Yeah. Very, very moving. It, what gets me, though, is the way that Twitter reacts to a famous person's death. It's, yeah. it's quite fascinating. You know, there's the sort of, the ones I've talked about, the very moving ones, and then there's the sort of mean-spirited don't forget he was in drunks cheat the brigade they were in yeah, there yeah 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 and then there's the opportunistic self-promoters okay oh I love the opportunity uh, none better than this one I sent the producer the other night hmm. they're called JS Online and they had a sort of cursory uh, tribute to Diego Maradona that he died age 60 yeah. and you click on the, the site and it says automatic updates from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's breaking news desk this account is fed by robots what a heartfelt tribute <laughs> that great. really was it's, it's great isn't it <laughs> 
little, a little bot tribute <laughs> yeah. there. It's probably not the only one out I know, there. Strat- I, I know. I, we went through between us and we just found loads and I found too many to mention. But amongst them, strategist Jackson Chigbo from World Order. No, nothing to do with you either. Right, OK. <laughs> People who write... Uh, I didn't actually ever see him play, and he, he he retired long before I was born, and I didn't actually know him, but you think, well, don't write about him then, because you didn't know him, you've never even seen him, that's them. And there's just a whole load like that, but it is the way people react. And, yeah. You know, it, it's a difficult time. But I, I was surprised yesterday to see the authorities in uh, Argentina, in Buenos Aires, stop the people queuing and seeing the body, because, of course, that was bound to lead to trouble. But let me just let me just find the... The, the letter from my... It's only a short thing. Yeah, your friend uh, Pablo's met him many times yeah. over the years, hasn't he? I should say that this guy is uh, one of the top lawyers in Buenos Aires. He's a really... He's a real player. And I said but he's you, also a kind of a, a mad Boca fan. Oh, he's a mad and Boca he, fan, he, he, a mad football fan. He loses all his inhibitions at, at the Bombonera, doesn't <laughs> he? He really does. Yeah. But uh, I said to you, I think he thinks I'm sort of like more important... He often introduces me when I'm over there as one of Britain's most important football reporters. <laughs> well, I'm not going to disillusion really? you. <laughs> Has he Googled you? <laughs> I hope he doesn't. Blimey, yeah, last thing he needs. Yeah. So don't, one day he's going to invite you Don't look at my Wikipedia, for he's goodness gonna sake. You, he's going to basically um, introduce you to an Englishman abroad. This is my friend Andy Jacobs, one of Britain's most important, important football reporters. And they're gonna, blokes going to be looking at his wife saying, who is he? I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Anyway, this is what he said to me. He said, I was incredibly fortunate to have played with him twice. That's uh, twice more than JSM line people. Well, that's because JSM line's a bot. <laughs> exactly. 11 aside at Macri's pitch. Macri was president of Boca, of course, president of Argentina. Yeah. 11 aside at Macri's pitch in uh, 1990 and five aside alongside him in Saint-Tropez during the World Cup. Nice. I was also at the after-match inner-group party at the Seoul Cafe and then the re-debut in Boca at La Bombonera in October 1995. We shared an unforgettable late lunch at La Vie Rouge in Saint-Tropez during the... <laughs> It was wonderful times. It's they like really were. My late lunch with Diego. I'll never forget it. I had the soup. He had the yeah, salad. Exactly. Yeah, during else? the 1998 World Cup, as well as a crazy night in Biblos during the same Is that week. where he, he, you showed me that video of him earlier dancing with Ronnie Wood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diego Maradona and Ronnie Wood dancing yeah, topless. That's what? a private photo that Pablo what took. What a picture yeah. that is. Crazy night in Biblos, which was a nightclub, wasn't it? Also a birthday dinner party of my partner, Saul Zhang, at the Intercontinental Hotel. I also flew Buenos Aires Rome with him. Yeah, we get the idea, you knew him. <laughs> no, no, but listen, it's amazing. But at least it's valid. Yeah. It does come to a very good tribute. Uh, I flew Buenos Aires to Rome with him in first class, the first time he went back to Italy <laughs> after the banning. To, he went on Dancing with the Stars by Endo Con La Stella show in Italy, uh, what we call uh, Strictly. Yeah, course. yeah, yeah. Uh, and his arrival. Then I was in La Bombonera, blah, blah, blah. Also in St. Petersburg Stadium where the sun light shines upon his face. He's quite a romantic. Time, yeah, he sounds, he sounds very romantic. <laughs> He's a yeah. lovely man there. Last March, I was in La Bombonera for our championship last game, stolen from River, when he was coaching Gymnasia, and we paid him an emotional tribute. Spontaneous, funny, loyal and controversial at a personal level, magical and unique at football. He loved the ball more than anyone. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a great sign-off. Yeah. So most of what you found is that he was a kind of... I mean, for all of his faults, and I think they, there, there were many of them along the way, um, he, he seemed a very warm, um, funny 
person. Mm. I mean, that seems to be what comes from everybody who oh, knew him. I think so. I mean, I think he was controversial. Not SJ Holdings, obviously. <laughs> no. they, didn't, they didn't get that side <laughs> of it. JS Holdings, Also, you know, these people... I mean, somebody wrote this letter. I won't name it because it's a shame, but what's the point of this letter? Diego Maradona was one of the most talented footballers that ever lived. Few can forget his hand of God goal against England at the 1986 World Cup. You think, oh, really? I hadn't realised. There's a butt coming, isn't there? <laughs> no, oh, that's no, it. There's no butt. It's just that. It's just what, what possessed you to write that to think that's even interesting? You didn't know it. Well, it's an, it's an original take, and it's not something I've heard mentioned in the last couple it's of days. Staggering. But anyway, yeah. Um, so for last night's game. Yeah, go we'll on then. What do you last night's game? No, I say less ludicrous, more ludicrous regrets. Yeah, they, <laughs> they were terrible. They, they didn't have much of a team out. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it, was, um, it was difficult for. Did you watch it live? Did you watch it unfold? Well, I sort of watched parts of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch all of it, but I uh, think Leicester was the game to watch. Oh, yeah, Leicester was a terrific game. Wasn't yeah, it? and uh, although the commentator in that game, he kept calling uh, the ground the quarry. Yeah, but I was thinking, I said, well, it must have a Spanish name, and it, it does. It's called the well, Ar- Portuguese Pedera. name. A Portuguese name. Yeah, yeah. Pedre- Pradera. Yeah, yeah. Pedrera. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to get his tongue back in the gear he's been off for four yeah, days not been and doing much thinking, speaking if you want to be a football like expert like that's an excuse if you want to be a football expert like Brian Glanville you have to call it the Vincenti Calderon the Stadio della Alpe you've got to call it by its does, <laughs> does Padrera mean quarry it in does. Portuguese it absolutely does well he was just translating no, it then because you wouldn't call La Bombonera the chocolate box home of Mouth Juniors would you <laughs> you just wouldn't <laughs> I'm a big fan of Mouth Juniors they're a great team they're great aren't they the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Crowds are going to be back soon and it now comes down to how to allocate the tickets uh, we've spoke to uh, we spoke to Paul Barber from Brighton this week we spoke to Ian Mather from Cambridge and obviously they've got sort of different needs different ends of the food chain but they're, they're all facing the same sorts of problems As a, um, well anyway let's talk to Tom Gratrix from the Football Supporters Association as I'm sure they're very interested to know how tickets will be uh, allocated good afternoon Tom Afternoon, guys. I was just thinking about being in Lidl's car park on a Friday night. And maybe <laughs> I, know to, I know how to oh, live, Oh, the mate. glamour. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. It's Lidl's car park. So, I'll just take my scenario. Uh, as a Spurs fan, um, I think I've got one of our friends, Mark Cartley, is a fellow Spurs fan. It's a 30 to 1 chance uh, of getting a ticket for the 2000. So, the 30 to 1 shot. So you'd think the fairest way that all clubs will do this, if you've got those kind of numbers, if you're in the Premier League, effectively, is to have a, a ballot. Uh, and if you get into the first ballot, uh, you won't be in the second ballot or the third till your chance comes around again. Because if it's just a, a kind of lucky dip, you might get lucky, other people won't. But it's going to be interesting to see the way the clubs approach it. Have you had any insight to that, the FSA, as yet? Yeah, or well, you have a bit, because you'll remember that we were hoping to have crowds back in from the start of October on a limited basis. And so lots of clubs did quite a lot of work at that point to how they were going to do it. And then it sort of stopped because it wasn't going to happen. So um, I know that, for example, at Fulham, my team I support, we, um, we've got about, I think it's about 14,000 people had a season ticket last year. We haven't had sold any this year. And that they were looking to do a ballot from amongst that group, um, but having a situation where once you've been successful, you couldn't then get another ticket for a subsequent game until demand had been exhausted. Mm. And you were trying to test to see whether the systems could do that or not. And I suspect probably something along those lines will be the way that most of the clubs who are in that sort of situation where they've got more demand than supply mm. uh, will, will do it. Um, and I think that is probably... The fairest way, you know, people talk about do it on loyalty points um, or different ways of doing it or length of tenure people have had tickets. 
But to be fair, you know, this is a difficult situation and you want to give people a chance, I think, to at least get to get to a game um, before we get back to hopefully relatively soon normality and everyone being able to go to the game. Indeed. I just wonder why you would need a ballot in, in the sense that if you've got 25,000 season ticket holders and you can only get 2,000 in, if you have a rotation system, if you say, well, you're the first 2,000, you're the second 2,000, you're the third, you know, like that, why why go to all the elaborate thing of having a ballot and then you, and obviously once you've been to a game, you, you can't go until the next rotation. And, and I worked it out, there are about 13 or 14 home games left for most clubs. You will be lucky if you're a season ticket holder, I reckon, to see more than one game. Yeah. And the problem yeah. comes, Tom, people will say, you know, you might draw the Brighton ticket, for example, no yep. disrespect to Brighton, and next week it's Manchester United or Liverpool or something like that. You say, well, I didn't want the Brighton ticket or I wanted well, this ticket and I can't, I can't go this day, I can only go that day. You know, there, there's going to be... But if you can't go, that. someone else steps up. Yeah, well, I think, I think it's, with, it's difficult for the clubs. You it's a good sympathy. point, Andy, but I think you're just going to have to suck up the Brighton-Liverpool scenario mm. um, because it is what it is at the moment. We're mm. all making exceptions and if you get Liverpool, maybe you're that bit luckier. Or not, because you'll probably get beaten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, also, you, as you said to me this morning, as as it goes on, we may get more fans in. Yeah, because that's the plan, isn't it, Tom? As you said, I mean, all the clubs, Paul Barber said that to us. Yeah, this is a, a starting point, and then it will be hoped yep. that you can increase the numbers. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully some areas will get into Tier 1, and that'll have an impact. Mm. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a thing which is called great name called the STIG, um, which is a group which is looking at all sorts of technological innovations to be able to increase from that very base level so that over time and hopefully, you know, towards in the spring as we start to get people vaccinated, hopefully, you know, all those things can have an impact on getting back towards meaningful crowds because, as you quite rightly say, this is a, a very low limit and it's only going to apply to some clubs. Others that are in Tier 3 won't be able to, at least to start with. So, um yeah, and you are going to be lucky, uh, fortunate if you're in a position where one, you can go because some people will be for health reasons not able to go. Mm. Um, and the reason why I don't think you could just do it by saying, well, we'll just do it on a rotor is fixtures move around across the week. There are times when people might be able to go and might not be able to go. Um, and some people who are season ticket holders might currently be shielding, for example, mm. but in a couple of months might not be. So you need to enter the ballot, I think. I think that's the fairest way of doing it. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you also need a kind of broad demographic in terms of the stadium of the fans that go. You don't want, you know, you don't all exec box holders yeah. rattling their jewellery, do you? You don't want the, the old boys at the back of the way. You don't want 2,000 old boys at the back of the West End who go with 10 minutes left. Yeah. And The moaners, you don't want them if either. If you're at Palace, you want, <laughs> if you're at Palace, you want some other homestay. Yeah. You want, you know, you want to get a broad, so everybody gets a, a fair crack of the whip. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I hesitate on it because I don't know whether I come into the category of uh, moaner and uh, old boy or not. <laughs> no, but, um, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> But but you, no, you're right. And one of the things we the FSA has um, set out a, a charter, which we've asked the Premier League to adopt, which is on that point, you know, different pricing categories that there's no discrimination in that, so that that's fair. Um, uh, and also importantly, things like loyalty points that people might get from going to games that those are suspended during this period because it isn't fair that people can some people might benefit in that that other way as well. So there's some principles we think should apply. And I think most clubs are going to try to do it. They should be talking to their supporter groups about how best to communicate it as well and so people understand what they're going to do. Because they haven't got much time, you know, no. for the first of those fixtures. Um, and there's a lot to try and sort out and you have to get the safety advisor groups to sign off the numbers and all sorts of stuff. So I know people at clubs are working very, very hard. 
Uh, and an important point that shouldn't get missed is communicating how it's going to work and uh, making clear the reasons why you're doing it in a certain way with supporters groups will help, I think, people to understand. And as you said before, you know, this is something where people are going to have to suck it up a little bit. Mm. You know, I'm not going to be able to get to every Fulham game that mm. potentially there, there are before the end of the season. That might, might, might not be a good thing given how we're playing. But, you know, I just have to accept that. You know, I might not get a ticket for the Liverpool game. I might get one for the Brighton game. I yeah. might prefer to be the Brighton game because we might have more of a chance. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. <laughs> the idea also, though, I heard managers saying that... Uh, was it Bielsa or somebody saying that? Bielsa, yeah. Somebody was saying that and two, Steve Bruce, I think. 2000 won't make a difference. Oh, no, it wasn't that. No, no, it was the other yeah. thing. But I, I don't agree with that because at the Chelsea-Brighton game, there were 2,500, the pre-season game. Chelsea mm. were 1-0 up. And the 2,500, you could hear them. We'll speak to Mike Ward later. He was at the match. And it made a difference. It helped Brighton get back into the game. And they yeah. got, all right, it was pre-season, but they got a point. And I think 2,000 people pulling for you, if you've got a responsibility to sing, I said that earlier, you know, you really got to get behind the lads. I think it will make a slight difference. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously not going to be the same as all no, ground. And, it, and, you know, the, I know people thinking, well, is that unfair for clubs that are in tier three and various other things? Um, but, you know, there's a there's a judgment here as well, isn't there? And we, we haven't mentioned yet, but for some clubs lower down the pyramid, being able to get 2,000 people in um, could make a massive difference to, you know, their ability to survive through to the end of the season, for example. And, you know, uh, it's all part of having to deal with a situation which isn't ideal, um, is unprecedented, and we're trying to make the best of it. And, um, you know, I think getting some fans in is good for fans who want to go. It's good for clubs, particularly lower down the pyramid. And it's a first step, I think, towards that, you know, getting back to normality and mm. that we hope we're able to do, you know, during the course of next year. Well, I feel quite reassured after that, Tom. Actually, the conversations you've been having with the club, it all sounds like it's, it's kind of moving in, in the right direction and a fair allocation. So we'll catch up with you soon. We'll see how it works yeah. in practice. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. You're telling me your head's not going, whether you're driving, oh, wherever yeah, you are at the moment when that kicks in. Uh, that is a track from a, a new, um, I think it's a kind of four CD collection called 70s Rock Down. And mm. the curator of it, no yes. less, is a, a bit of a rock god himself. Rick Wakeman joins us. Good afternoon, Rick. Hi, guys. Uh, I've never been called a curator before. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, I, I might keep that. It's not like a janitor. It's better well, than Well, the only that. thing is it's the Australian for groundsman. It is, that's true. That's <laughs> true. You're not the groundsman. Rick. I mean, you, you, but you've kind of pulled this together, 60-track collection of uh, classic rock There's tunes. Some great ones in there. Yeah, we, 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 it was the idea, uh, original brainchild of my great friend Brian Berg, who was the previous boss of Universal. And he sort of... Um, said how sad it was that there was no more TV advertising records and great compilations that used to be out. Uh, they were everywhere, especially this time of year. So we decided to do one for Christmas of all this, uh, of, of some of the greatest hits from the 70s, um, which we got about 60 together. And in fact, we've got about another 60, which could probably end up on volume two if... Uh, you know, if it all, if all goes well. And it was it was just great fun to put it all together. And you suddenly realise what great music there was around then. Mm. You know, I mean, it, I, was, I was really amazed as we started going through it. And then uh, realising we got far more than we needed for this, this uh, particular set. But it's, it's been great fun. And it is, even if you look and go, oh, I, I don't remember that, I don't know. The moment you hear it, you go, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it hard to put together something like this license-wise? I mean, presumably all these artists are quite happy to have their records reheard again. But, you know, do you, is, it, is it easy or has it no, worked? No, it's an absolute nightmare, which is why <laughs> I stand well clear. And, and let somebody else do it. Okay. You know, I'm not... I'm not uh, 
you know, that, that, that's the part that I stand back from. That's the thing that the lawyers and the record companies get involved with. It, to be honest with you, it's not too much of a, a, a problem because uh, people are very, very happy to have their, their track stuck on a compilation these days. Yeah. I mean, there's a Yes track on there as well. It was interesting. Yeah. Wondrous Stories made the charts. It was a single, and you forget you forget that, don't you? Yeah, it was... Uh, it was um, we got to the dizzy heights of number <clears throat> seven. Uh, did you do Top was, of the Pops? Uh, we did Top of the Pops, but we filmed it to, to go on, because we were in right. America at the time, so we did a film which was put on, which was, I mean, typical, yes, a typical prog rock of the time. That was the only time when the audience stopped dancing. <laughs> you know, it, uh, <laughs> it was back then. I, I, you've got Backman Turner Overdrive. You ain't oh, seen yeah. nothing. It's a great <clears> track, but all I can see is smashy and nicey. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know what we said that when we put it together. When it's, it is, it's smashy and nicey. It's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Um, away from this, Rick, I was interested. I was, uh, I was thinking of your links to Diego Maradona. First off, I was thinking yeah. over the years you must have met him. Surely, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I met, I met him, and I was nearly part of a football club that bought him as well. Oh, really? When he was young, yeah. I was one of the owners of Philadelphia Fury, which was the first batch of American soccer when they first went there, which uh, uh, the, the late, great Phil Woosnam yeah, was sure. the yeah. uh, head of it all over there. And I was one of the owners of um, Philadelphia Fury, and we uh, looking around for players. And um, Peter Rudge, who managed the Who and a few other people, so it was a bit of a rock and roll ownership thing. Um, he found these uh, Maradona and, and, and another guy uh, who was down in uh, in Argentina um, wanted to bring them to uh, America um, but there was uh, there was various problems um, one of which was the uh, the management team that we had in place so they said no nah, I don't want them <laughs> uh, uh, and so we lost the opportunity of uh, bringing. I mean, they were young teenagers. They was just what, uh, crikey, uh, seventy six or whatever. Wow. So they were they were young young teenagers. But uh, I did get to meet him on a couple of occasions down in Argentina because I go down there and play quite a lot. Uh, so I, I I got to meet him. I I was stunned how small he was. Mm. You know, he was he wasn't what you would say in a nicer sense built like a footballer. Yeah, he was quite quite squat and quite quite small, but he um, but he was uh, ever such a gentleman, polite gentleman. It was a uh, you know, I, I've, funny enough, I was looking for it this morning. I've got a picture with him and me together somewhere, which uh, you know really should be on the wall. I mean, for heaven's mm-hmm. sake! But yeah. uh, no, it was great. And what he did at Napoli was beyond belief. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely yep. beyond belief. Because Napoli were. <clears throat> Unbelievably unfashionable, mm. without being un- unkind. Uh, I mean, Napoli is in that area of Italy that the rest of Italy doesn't even want to know it exists. I happen to love it. It's one. Of, it's my favourite part of uh, of Italy. But he transformed the most unfashionable club that uh, hadn't even won the toss, let alone you know won <laughs> a title or anything. Yeah. And I think what two times they won it. Yeah, that's and right. Playing, yeah, and playing great football. Yeah. You you also Rick did the score for the eighty six World Cup, didn't the official did. FIFA film? I was looking at some of that and playing a bit earlier on, and uh, so you would have watched a lot of that, those Maradona uh, moments back from that World Cup as you were doing that. I did. I, well, I was down. Mm. I, I was in I, I, uh, down there when, they, when when it was all being shot and filmed. I did. I, I was very lucky. I did two two of the World Cup movies. I did the eighty two and uh, eighty two, which was the Spanish one. Mm. Uh, which was hilarious, and the uh, 
because they were they were on about how strict all all the police were and everything, and you couldn't get anywhere. And uh, we did wanted to do a smooth thing of me trying to get in uh, through the players' entrance uh, outside the ground and being uh, being sort of stopped and arrested and carted off as, as a little bit of a spoof for the film. <laughs> and I and I went up and it, the guys just smiled at me and opened the door and I should be in. Oh, I <laughs> didn't go to plan. Well, there you go. That, that's security for you. But the, the, the Maradona, um, that was his World Cup. Uh, I mean, when we did the film, the FIFA film, it was never really meant to be all about Maradona. But the truth of the matter is, it was all about Maradona. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I've been I've been fortunate in my life to see some fantastic, fantastic players who have got skill that you you can't teach. It has to come naturally. Maradona was one. Uh, my, my great mate George Best was was an, another one, and of course we've got the likes of Lionel Messi these days. Um, and, it's, and it's Paul Gaskell you got put in that same light as well, because Paul could do things that were yeah. unbelievable, and actually still does. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Rick, what, what are you up to musically at the moment before we let you go? Um, musically, I'm I'm in the middle of uh, I say in the middle of we've been doing it for about a year and a half now. Uh, Tim Rice and I, Sir Tim Rice, I should say, we're we're writing a, a musical, which hopefully will it, it probably because of of how long it's going to take for this lockdown to clear musically, it probably will see the light of day in 2022. Right, okay. excellent. Uh, before you go, I'm just going to play. So this was a clip from Talk Sport a couple of weeks back, and I think we'll pass on. Uh, the album, the 70s rock down that uh, we're talking about today, on to uh, one or two of the younger presenters on the station because uh, this is a clip that went out uh, last week. Have a listen to this, Rick. Our music theme tonight is US anthems, obviously because the US elections are happening. We're going to find out who the, the, the new president of the United States of America is going to be. And this is Sweet Home Alabama from Linyard Skinyard. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you liked that. Oh, brilliant. We'll give that to Jamie O'Hara and he can he can get au fait with some of the names of the bands. But, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I mean, it's hard enough getting your, getting your lips around some of the footballers' names these yeah. days, but... Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's a oh, that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Rick. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. 
the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Martin Kellner joins us now for a week of sport on TV. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon to you boys. I love the way in that promo they say, um, that text the word WIN, that's W-I-N. I know. So implying that the TalkSport audience <laughs> yeah. can't, you know, without that help, well, will not be able to spell the word WIN. For our Welsh win. listeners, you know, <laughs> yes. might be thinking W-Y-N. <laughs> of true. course. Of win, course. Win, it, win, it lives at number 63. <laughs> so, um, yes. El Mano de Dios. I feel like it's it's a subject, of course, discussed by more than one Kellner this week. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. I have to say say um, when the news came through on Wednesday afternoon uh, I got a call from uh, Sky News's uh, football correspondent and she said quickly I've got to go on air very soon because she was born in 1990 I'm talking about my daughter yeah. uh, Martha Kellner who is the um, sports correspondent for Sky News she said what can you tell me about Maradona I said how long have I got yeah. and she said five minutes oh, thanks. Oh, wow. so uh, yeah but, but of course obviously there are resources available and uh, she did a fine job Good. Um, and all all over the place. Obviously, um, it is uh, Maradona. I think a few weeks ago, I talked about Maradona in Mexico. I mean, oh, which is that. a yeah, mm. you've seen that. It's a, a seven-part mm. series on Netflix, uh, which is well worth. Uh, you, oh, there's lots of stuff about the football all over the place, and there's uh, Asif Kapadia's fantastic yeah, oh, yeah, documentary, wonderful. which is a brilliant, brilliant film. That was you know, I saw that in a cinema. Uh, do you remember the days when we were going to cinema? Yeah, yeah, yeah we saw it in cinema too. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. And, and watch a film. It's fantastic, but. Maradona in Mexico, if you, uh, alongside the football, if you admire the swearing and the insults, uh, Maradona in Mexico is absolutely brilliant. Mm. I mean, it start, it, basically, it's when uh, Maradona goes to uh, Culiacan. Mm. Uh, I, you know, apologise in advance for the pronunciations, but uh, it's the home of the Sinaloa drugs cartel. And you think, there you are, there's Maradona. This w- was about five years ago. He's going into the, uh, to the home of the drugs cartel uh, in Mexico. Mexico, and you think to yourself, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. um, but of course, it does all to all to. But for a while, you know, it really works, and his uh, his motivational speeches are brilliant. Uh, and it starts off this, this documentary says with him um, being sent from the dugout back to the uh, back to the seats and stand, and making his way very sort of gingerly and unsteadily up, up the steps there. And then he's explaining afterwards what's happened. He said the San Luis. He's um, he's there with the Dorados, who were a sort of mm. down-at-heel club, and he's reviving them. He says, the San Luis coach told me to shut up. Really? And he says it in that, you know, his voice goes really high. Really? Do you know how many games I've played? You have to show your ID to get in your own house, son of a... <laughs> um, but he's... Uh, it, it's brilliant. And uh, I heard all everything you were saying about uh, uh, Maradona earlier on, and your, your mate, uh, Andy, who, yeah. uh, who knew him and played with him. And, you know, there was a lot of warmth there. A lot, a lot of warmth. Gary Lineker's uh, story yesterday was great. After he did mm. the World Cup draw, Gary was telling us that uh, Maradona said to him, obviously in Spanish, he didn't speak a great deal of English, he said, Gary, you're a brilliant TV presenter. He said, you're really good at this. And he said, you were an OK footballer. He said, honestly, if you'd been as good at the football as you were as a presenter, you'd been as good as me. So we said there's a compliment in there somewhere. Did he say the bit yeah. as well? I like the way you do like Des when you wear glasses. Yeah, well, I always know when something serious has happened. Well, he wears them all the time now, so we don't know. You went cheese rolling, well, not you personally, but uh, this is this no. Netflix series, isn't it, of, of odd sports? 
And if ever you doubted the fact that uh, Andy Smart is stark staring bonkers... Oh, we knew that anyway. Um, you knew it anyway, <laughs> didn't you? But uh, this will have, uh, this will have uh, convinced you of it. Um, it's a very, very smooth, very, you know, it's very Netflix, put it that way. And it's part of a series on Netflix called We Are The Champions, where I think the next episode, I didn't watch the next episode, but the next episode after the cheese rolling is chili eating, and they'll probably do the hot dogs as well and all that stuff. Hmm. Um, um, they, they started off, traditions are a way of talking to the past. You're casting a spell that lets you talk directly to a bygone era. In the farmlands of England, no tradition is more powerful than cheese. Rolling. <laughs> and they do the, this very, very highfalutin intro. But wow. eventually, all it is is a load of cheese rolling down a hill with uh, a, a high speed. Oh, yeah. Dangerous. It's incredibly oh, dangerous. It's hugely yeah. dangerous. Yeah. I'm amazed, even that you know, it's an unsanctioned event, Obviously, they make that point, and the mm. woman—I I know you—you you talk about this every year, don't you? And have the woman on from uh, Brockworth, yeah, um, who's in charge of Cooper's Hill, where the, That's uh, right, where yeah. the cheese, yeah, the cheese rolls down, and uh, she explains that it's a completely unsanctioned event, and then warns people that uh, they may be in the way of um, of a, a giant uh, double Gloucester cheese rolling at 80 miles an hour. And so you might want to just step back a wee bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it just absolutely boggles the mind when you see that. And and that hill is so amazingly steep. You're, you're basically doing a roly-poly yeah. down the hill. And, you know, they go through the, the injuries. I would have thought it was almost impossible to do it without, you know, at least chipping a bone somewhere or other. No, it's, um, it's been bone, plenty of Chipping on the bone, lovely bone. I was going to say, it's a place. I was once nearly um, suspended for punching a wooden gouda, a model of a cheese, through a window at school. Really? (laughs) This place said to me, (laughs) I won't name him, said to me, hold this cheese like this. I held it up in the apartment. And he came around and he just punched it and it went straight through the window and left a sort of gouda style hole. It didn't crack. If it it says, why did you have a wooden gouda at school? (laughs) Didn't they exhibition? (laughs) An exhibition of what? Wooden cheeses? Yeah, this weird. is bizarre. Yeah, no, no, it's very bizarre. No, I didn't have a wooden gouda at my school. It was obviously a better school. We probably had modern, we had wooden cheddar. But um, yes. well, punching the gouda sounds like an appalling euphemism for something that I don't know what. Now, something that goes on in Holland. Though, it's yeah, that's not, that's, now yeah. suddenly I can see what it is, and I don't like it. Get out. Mm. So uh, I watched this documentary. It was a BBC yeah. Three documentary on uh, on the iPlan. I very much enjoyed it. It's the the birth of Berry AFC, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a guy called uh, Chris Murray, mm. and he's trying to bring back football in Bury. And we don't need to go over everything that happened there, um, but it does. You know, it tells you, and it's 134 years of history, and they've won the cup a couple of times. One of the oldest clubs in Britain, of course, mm. right in the heart of Lancashire, where where football started. Really, teams like Bury, uh, and he's trying to bring back um, Bury AFC. And of course, one of the things he has to do when they've got, they've got permission to go into the Northwest Counties League Division. One, which I think is the 10th tier yeah. of British football. So they get a chance to go back into that. So he has to interview managers. And, um, you know, he's, he's a lovely bloke, but he says the first time, this is the first time ever. He's, he's about 30-odd years old, I'd hmm. say, this guy. 
Uh, and uh, his previous employment history uh, in his 20s was to be a manager of a KFC shop. Yeah. Which, um, you know, as long as you're working at KFC, do you want to be manager? Yeah, and they put a couple of stars in you, you're the manager. <laughs> so he's the manager of the KFC <laughs> shop. Smarty. And he says, when he has to interview uh, to get a manager for Berry AFC, mm. he says, it's the first time I've interviewed anyone since I was interviewing people at the KFC. Um, for a position there. And I thought that's a really good way to interview managers. You know, could you sell a wow box to uh, somebody <laughs> who comes in here reasonably? You know, could you explain to them the uh, unique blend of herbs and spices? Upselling. Up that's right. I yeah, mean, you'd have selling. to. If, if somebody came in, you wanted a football manager, they would, they'd keep certain secrets back, wouldn't they? The secret yes. of their success. I can't tell you because it's like the Colonel. And they'd mm. also. And, and upselling. You get a player in, and I suppose it's that, you know, you know you want fries with that or what about a large drink things yeah. like that and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a useful did they skill. mention in this film that you used to write a column in the programme the Berry programme that's right you know it? surprisingly they uh, missed that out altogether oh, yeah, but I did enjoy it having you know a bit of an affinity with uh, Gig Lane and they used to sell the black puddings from a cart you know yeah. outside the um, outside the ground with mustard Brilliant, you know. The, there yeah. was a whole jar of mustard on the uh, on the little stand that the uh, black puddings were on. Um, not a massive fan of black pudding, but I you, could punch you a black to... pudding through a school window. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a Lancashire equivalent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Martin, <laughs> you're you're back overnight, aren't you? I am, and uh, we'll be talking more about that uh, documentary about Maradona in Mexico in his time there, because I do have a guy who comes on and joins me uh, every week from Mexico to talk about what's going on in Latin America. Oh, well, wow. there's only one thing that's going on in Latin sure. America at the moment. Obviously. Yeah, of course. So it, we'll it, talk it, about that. It's and the about biggest a few story in town, like. certainly. Yeah. Okay, Martin, 1am uh, to 6am, that's right. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See how you feel, you know, if you want to pack up half hour early. <laughs> yeah, well, not. you'll see it through, won't you? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. A quick look at uh, what's mm. worth watching away from the sport on telly uh, this weekend, kicking off with tonight. Mike Ward joins us, uh, Brighton supporting uh, star TV columnist. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. You've been in a stadium, of course. Haven't I have you? been in a stadium. Yeah, went, I've been to the Amex, to the Brighton, uh, yeah. Chelsea friendly, preseason friendly, and yeah. uh, very smoothly it went. Yeah. yeah. And made a little difference, we were saying earlier in the show. In when Brighton were 1-0 down, you all shit made a good noise and Brighton got back in the game. We, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was strange. It had more atmosphere than a lot of pre-season friendlies with, with significantly more people in the ground. So, yeah, it, mm. I think when people are there, the, you know, the small numbers will make a disproportionately large amount of noise, I reckon. That's good stuff. Well, they start voting people off of I'm a Celebrity tonight, Mike, I understand. Oh, really? They do, yeah. The mm. voting opened last night. So, mm. uh, yeah, we're, we're only a week away from the end. And this is the bit where, obviously, the numbers dwindle. So, Ruthie Henschel looks like the favourite to go first. Holly Arnold, um, Paralympian, is in there as well. Victoria Derbyshire. Russell Watson and uh, ex-Strictly star AJ Pritchard. Those are the five who seem to be sort of... Most likely, but who when, knows? When you say the numbers dwindle, do you mean the audience figures? <laughs> no, the audience figures are okay. They've been they? good. Has it, well, has it been okay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't know what the latest up. I know when it launched, it got massive figures compared to sort of you know biggest figures for years. And I think it's you know just yeah. another example of one of these shows that's you know tapping into what we all need right now. Yeah. Extra slices on tonight. The Great British Bake Off spin-off show. I've enjoyed. I've always enjoyed that. It's been a good series. And Bake Off itself. I mean, people have talked about it in such a, a passionate and sort of yeah. loving way this year. It's, it's had a special sort of place in it people's has. hearts. It has. I mean, exactly the same. You know, for similar reasons to, to I'm a Celebrity, we just appreciate having TV now that is just, you know, it's a bit like having, having you know, crowds going back into it. We're just grateful 
that for an element of normality and Bake Off they did it brilliantly and right at the end of Tuesday's show they gave thanks to all the people behind the scenes the medical people the hotel people who had enabled them to do the whole bubble thing and made you know 10 weeks of telly look normal and that was that was a work of genius yeah. I think Mm. Um, BBC Four at it again, uh, a fine night of music telly, and this is um, uh, with a Scottish theme. I says documentary night about Jerry Rafferty, who's yeah. a great uh, musician and songwriter. Played um, with Billy Connolly right at the start of his, yeah, uh, his right, career. Yeah, he did Baker, a, famously did Baker Street. A um, troubled soul, though. Really. Very troubled soul, yeah. So that's on at uh, that's on at half past nine. There's a there's a Rod Stewart one before that. There's a thing on the Proclaimers with David Tennant uh, talking to Craig and Charlie from the Proclaimers. Uh, big Hibs fans, of course. Um, mm. Annie Lennox uh, after that, and Travis, and uh, it goes on and on. So it's a big Scottish theme. Go- I mean, yeah, ultimately they've all been on before, but it's good to sort of lump things together and have some sort of thread. Jim Scott will enjoy that. Yeah, Jim Scott, as <laughs> he's now known to the listeners. Um, <laughs> now, we've got a new game show uh, we have eight thirty BBC One. Michael McIntyre's The Wheel. Yes, I'm, I'm assuming this is d- designed to be as socially distant as possible. Basically, the the format is that the set is a big wheel, uh, and you've got a bunch of celebs sitting on the outside. <laughs> There's five of them. They're all on on the effectively on the rim of the wheel, significantly apart from each other for that to be okay. And of course, the the wheel spins round, so you've got the whole centrifugal force going on, so that they don't actually uh, you know let them fly off into the walls of the studio, or whatever, which they could do, and which would be quite good fun. Uh, but then the contestant pops up a hole in the middle, you know, where the or the hub is. is. So yeah, it's very strange. And then each person, each contest, uh, each celebrity brings their expertise to the table. So Jason Donovan's expertise he brings is anything to do with Australia. Mel B is on her expertise, which is which is quite something. She's really stretching herself here. Her specialist subject is the Spice Girls. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> this has been devised by Michael McIntyre, I understand. And, he, you know, he is Mr. Saturday Night and he, he couldn't do his show. He couldn't do that show with it so audience dependent. So mm. I suppose he had to come up with something and he's come up with this. Yes. The audience that isn't there is very enthusiastic for this one. I mean, right, it, it okay. cheers and laughs all the way through. You know, <laughs> you know as, as enthusiastic as, as they are at the darts. It's, it's amazing, you know, the noise <laughs> they make. And finally, tomorrow night, uh, sorry, Sunday night, should yeah. I say, Channel 4, 6pm, Escape to Barbados. Uh, what, what's, what's oh, I didn't know anything about this, but apparently the Barbados, because the tourism, obviously, mm. the industry has been you know, hit badly sure. by COVID, uh, offer this thing called the Barbados Welcome Stamp. Right. And the idea is to encourage people who wanted to escape lockdown Britain to go and, and live for a while on the Caribbean island of Barbados wow. and work from home in Barbados. Uh, which, good. funnily enough, is where I'm calling you from. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can tell by the seagulls in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel sorry yeah. for the jet ski people in Barbados. I mean, what are they going to do this year without Simon Cow? Yeah. That's it's very disaster. true. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean any, anybody in that, in that particular industry. I'm sure you'll see them okay. Before you said the Simon Cowell, I thought you just randomly picked a, a profession that <laughs> no. had struggled through. I thought, yeah, it's a Christmas with it. Bajan, Bajan jet ski owners would not be the top of your list. No, but really. we always know when it's Christmas. That because you photo. see Simon Cowell on a jet ski, that, yeah. that very much is Christmas. It's very much part of the tradition along, along with yeah. that. Well, if he's uh, back there as well after his accident, he might not oh, get yeah. on a jet no, ski. You may have seen that picture can, for the last really. time. Yeah, that's true. So 6pm, uh, if you want to find out, I mean, people might want to... Do this? Who knows? Go and stay. Yeah, you might want to do it. Andrew. Other islands could <laughs> do. Might, might, might do. I think the Isle of Wight might be offering it now. As yeah, well, to be honest. Escape to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> yeah, it's, quite, it's not quite as glamorable as Stuart yeah, Pearce. So. <laughs> um, thank you, Mike. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. Uh, that was this afternoon show. We'll do it all again 
from uh, one o'clock on Monday. Have a great weekend and we'll catch up with you then. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.